You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. Good morning. 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 If you've got your Bibles there, please go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, I want to take you back to 1990, all right? 1990, 1990, I was 16 years old, and I had just got my driver's license, and when you're 16 years old and you just get your driver's license, of course, you want a new car, right? I wanted a car, and I didn't want just kind of any car, I wanted a cool car. I wanted a car that had power, you know, a car with power, and uh, so when you're 16 years old in 1990 and you want a car with power, of course, you want a five-liter Mustang, all right, so that's what I was going for, the five-liter Mustang. And so I asked my parents if I could get a five-liter Mustang, and of course they said, no, no, of course, right? Right, and, and, and good, good for them. Thank you, parents, for not getting me a five-liter Mustang. That would have been a huge problem. So instead of the five-liter Mustang, here's what we got. We got a 2.3-liter Mustang. Oh, four-cylinder, 2.3-liter Mustang. And, and if you don't know much about cars, these two cars would look very similar on the outside, but totally different under the hood, okay? So one has a ton of power, one has no power at all. So I would be driving around in my 2.3-liter Mustang, and people would see me, friends would see me, and say, hey, nice car, nice car. Is that like a 5-liter? And I'd be like, oh, no, it is not a 5-liter. It is a 2.3-liter and I just, I just longed, you know, to be able to push down on the accelerator and get some power. This car was just lacking power. And I think for many of us, our Christian lives feel a lot like that. Lacking power. We hear the great commandment to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We say, yes! I want that. And we hear the great commission to go into the world and to make disciples. And we say, yes, I want that. We see the new discipleship model of our church up on the screen. We see the 5G life. We say, yes, I want to be a Christ follower who is abiding in Christ and connecting with other believers and sharing Christ. I want to have amazing God time every day. I want to be in the word. I want to be in prayer. I want gather time. I want to be here every Sunday and encouraging other believers. I want group time. I want to be connected in a group and doing life with other believers. I want give time. I want to be sharing. Uh, and I, I, want to be, I want to be faithful with, with what God has entrusted to me. And I want God time. I want to be living my life on mission. I'm going to do it. We go to do it and no power. And so where does the power come to live the 5G life? Right here. It's God. So if we're lacking power, there's a problem here in our abiding. And God has two things for us to take away this morning. Here's the first one. Here's the first one. That in and of ourselves, we do not have the power to live the Christian life. In and of ourselves, we do not possess the power to live the Christian life. It's not like we have a 2.3-liter engine. We don't have an engine. We, we have no power in and of ourselves to live the Christian life. But then secondly, there's this, that the immeasurable power of God is available to each and every child of God here today. Let me say that again. The immeasurable power of God to live the Christian life is available to each and every single child of God here this morning. And, and, and God doesn't want us to just know about this, but he wants us to actually experience this in our lives. He wants you and I to experience his immeasurable power in our lives. 
And so what if 2017 was a year where you and I experienced the power of God like we never have before? What if 2017 was a year that we looked back on together and said that was the year where everything really changed for me? Because that was the year where I really began to experience the power of God in an entirely new way. Because listen, that can be us. That can be you. That can be me. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is praying for in Ephesians chapter 3. He's praying the Ephesians would experience the immeasurable power of God in their lives, which is exactly what we need to experience as well. And so today we're going to look at the first half of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And then, Lord willing, next week, Pastor Craig is going to lead us through the second half of this amazing prayer in Ephesians 3. So have a look at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Which leads us right into our first point this morning, which is this. If you and I are going to experience the immeasurable power of God in our lives in 2017, we must know, we must first know this, that the means of power is prayer. The means of power is prayer. Have a look at verse 14. Paul says this. He says, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father. In other words, Paul's saying, for this reason, Ephesians, for this reason, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And so what is this reason? Here's the reason. It's the gospel. It's, it's these great, glorious gospel truths that, that Paul has just gone through in chapters 1 and 2. And maybe you're thinking, well, what glorious gospel truths are those? Well, here are some of them up on the screen. And if you are a child of God here, man, this is awesome. Okay, look at this. God blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. Awesome. God predestined us for adoption. God redeemed us through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has given us an inheritance. God has purposed for us to hope in Christ that we might be to the praise of his glory forever and ever and ever. God sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit. He loved us even when we were dead in our sin. God made us alive together with Christ. He saved us through faith. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, and he has united us together into one people for God made up of both Jews and Gentiles. Paul says, for that reason, for for that reason, because of the gospel, Ephesians, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And we're going to see what he's praying for in a few minutes. But notice this. Notice this. Uh, notice that Paul has a certain posture of prayer. Look at uh, first, verse 14. Uh, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees. Now, to understand the significance of Paul kneeling, we need to understand that kneeling was a pretty uncommon posture for prayer in Paul's day. Most Jews, when they prayed, they prayed standing up. So for Paul to be bowing, for him to be on his knees, that speaks volumes. That is saying something. 
And what most uh, commentators agree that this is communicating is the degree of passion that Paul has right now for this prayer. He's praying to God for the Ephesians. This is a passionate, passionate prayer. Hey, question. When was the last time that you were just longing so badly for God to move with power in the life of a loved one that you just fell to your knees right there and prayed for them? Because that's what the Apostle Paul is doing right here. He's praying this passionate prayer. And notice this. Notice who Paul is praying to. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Paul is praying to God the Father, who through Jesus Christ adopted Paul. And through who Jesus Christ adopted the Ephesians and made them his very own children and gave them a new name and loves each one of them more than they could ever possibly imagine. And if you are here this morning and you are a child of God, listen, listen, listen. You are not some number to God the Father. You are not some number. He chose you. And he adopted you. And he named you, and he delights in you, and he rejoices over you, and he will never take his eyes off of you, and he will never leave you because he loves you more than anyone else ever has or could or ever will. He is God the Father. He is your God. He is your perfect Father. And because Paul knows the Father, And because he spends time with the Father and loves the Father, notice what Paul does. He does the will of the Father. He does what the Father wants him to do, and he falls to his knees and he prays for the church. Because the church in Ephesus was in need of prayer, because the church in Ephesus was in need of power, and it's certainly no different in our day today. The church here in Oakville the church in Ontario, the church in Canada, the church around the world is in need of great prayer because the church is in need of great power. And prayer is the means of laying hold of the power of God. Prayer, prayer is the means of power. So question, are you praying for the church? Are you praying for the church? Because God wants to use your prayers to strengthen and empower the church both right here and around the world. That's why we must pray. We must pray for ourselves. We must pray for our families. We must pray for this room right here. We must pray for this church. We must pray for our staff. We must pray for our elders. Oh, pray for our elders. We must pray for our church plants. We must pray for the church in Ontario and in Canada and around the world because for the church to thrive, the church needs the power of God. And prayer is the means of power. Therefore, we must pray. We must pray. And as we pray, as we pray, we must do this. We must recognize the source of power, the Holy Spirit. We must recognize the source of power, the Holy Spirit. That's point number two. If we are going to be strengthened with power in 2017, we must recognize the source of power, the Holy Spirit. Have a look back at verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory... 
He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So now we're starting to move into more of the content of Paul's prayer. Look again at verse 16. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, and we'll stop there because that word according is a very important word. Think of it this way. If a very wealthy person, maybe a billionaire, uh, was to give a needy person $50, that's a, that's a kind gesture. They're, they're giving uh, from their wealth. They're giving out of their wealth, but they're not giving according to their wealth. They're not giving in a way that is in keeping with or in a way that is representative of their wealth. But if a wealthy person was to uh, b- purchase a house for a needy person, or maybe donate a hospital. Yes, they would be giving from their wealth. Yes, they would be giving out of their wealth, but they would be giving according to their wealth. They would be giving in a way that is in keeping with or is representative of their wealth because they're giving according to their wealth. Now, with that in mind, consider what Paul is actually praying for here. Look at verse 16. He's praying that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power. So consider it. Paul is praying that God would give the Ephesians power, not out of the riches of his glory, not from the riches of his glory, but according to the riches of his glory. In other words, Paul is praying that the Father would give the Ephesians power that is according to or in keeping with the riches of his power. So how much power is that? Well, consider Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, whether a heaven or on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Or consider Psalm 115 verse 3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So how much power does our God have? His power is limitless. His power is inexhaustible. His power is above and beyond all measurement. So for for, for Paul to ask God to give the Ephesians a degree of power that is according to his riches and glory is asking God to give the Ephesians an immeasurable amount of spiritual power through the source of power who is the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 16 that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. And so here's what Paul is praying for up on the screen. He's praying for God to do a work in the hearts of the Ephesians. So here's what he's praying for. He's praying that the Holy Spirit, who is in the hearts of the Ephesians, would then flood the hearts of the Ephesians with this immeasurable power. That's what he's praying for. So question... Do you realize the magnitude of power that is available to you through the Holy Spirit? Do you you realize, do you truly realize the magnitude of the power that is available to you through the Holy Spirit? Have you grasped the reality that the one who is all-powerful, the one who has all power, lives inside of you? Awesome. But are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? 
Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that kills sin? Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that brings about obedience to the Great Commission? Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that brings about obedience to the Great Commandment? Are you experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that brings about the 5G life? Because if we're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, the problem does not rest with the Holy Spirit. The problem is right here with us. And so what might the problem be? Well, let's begin with this. Do we really believe that this power is available to us? I mean, do we really believe it? Do we really believe that the power, the immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit is available to us? Do we really believe it? Well, how do I know if I really believe that? Here's how we know. If we really believe it, we'll be praying for it. If we really believe it, we'll be praying for it. In in Luke 11, Jesus said, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So am I doing that? Am I praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill my heart? Because the means of power is prayer, but the source of power is the Holy Spirit. Therefore, We must pray. We must pray for the power of the Holy Spirit if we want our hearts flooded with the immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit, which leads us to our third point, which is this. If we want to be strengthened with power for 2017, we must want the result of power, which is this, heart change. Heart change. If we want to be strengthened with power in 2017, we must want the result of power, heart change. Have a look again at verse 14. Paul says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that, here's the reason, here's the reason, Christ may dwell in your hearts. So again, again, Paul is praying. That's what he's doing here. He's praying, which is the means of power. And he's praying that God the Father would strengthen the church through the source of power, who is the Holy Spirit, so that, here's the result of power, that Christ would dwell in their hearts. Which seems like kind of a strange thing for Paul to be praying for, don't you think? That, that all this immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit, that, that it would result in Christ dwelling in their hearts? Is that what he's really praying for? I mean, isn't he praying for the church? Don't they already have Christ dwelling in their hearts? Well, here's what Paul is not praying for, okay? He's not praying for the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's praying for. He's not praying, he's not asking God the Father to to send the Holy Spirit to indwell the church for the first time. The church already has the Spirit. So what does this word dwell mean? Well, here's what this word dwell means. In the Greek, it's a compound word that, that, that means two things. The first part of it means to live in a house. And the second part, the second word means down. So it's a Greek word, a compound word, meaning to live in a house and down. So the word dwell here, it means to settle down in a house. It means to make a comfortable home inside a house. 
And so when Paul is praying that the, that the Father would strengthen the church through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is ultimately the result he's praying for, that Christ would dwell in the hearts of the Ephesians, that Christ would be comfortable, that he would be at home in their hearts. When my wife Natasha and I, when we bought our first home, it was, it was kind of rough, to say the least, all right? Kind of rough. It was a 50-year-old bungalow that we bought from the original owners who were both very heavy smokers, okay? And they haven't done a thing to it in 50 years. And let, let me just kind of show you what we are up against, okay? So, yeah, I don't know who that guy is. I don't pay any attention to him. Don't judge. Don't judge. Okay, so uh, on, on the back here, okay, here's what you see. kind of looks like some shelving units with some plates, but there is no shelving unit and no plates, okay? So what you have there, what you have there, the, the contrast is tar. That is tar. And so when we're, I remember walking into this house for the first time, I was standing there in the living room, and I literally felt like I was standing in an ashtray. That's what it felt like. The smell of this place is, oh, this is going to take a lot of work before we're actually comfortable here, you know? And so we're scrubbing down walls because the price was right. So we're scrubbing down walls and, and we're painting and we're ripping up 50-year-old carpets. Oh, then we're, we're redoing floors and we're doing a basement and we're doing a kitchen and a bathroom. And then we finally got to the point where we're kind of sitting in the living room one day on the couch just like, you know what? This is kind of feeling like home. This is kind of... This is kind of feeling like home. That's what Christ wants to say about our hearts. That we feel like home. Well, praise the Lord that Christ does not wait for us to be the perfect home before he inhabits us, amen? Christ is present in the heart of every believer so is Christ present in your heart? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins? Because if not, let me plead with you. Let me plead with you right now to turn to Christ. Would the Spirit of God give you, give you enlightenment right now that you would see your great need? That you need Christ. You need forgiveness of sins. He is returning soon. Judgment is coming. You need Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is only found in Him. Would the Spirit of God move right now? Because Christ is present in the heart of every believer. But he does not dwell comfortably in the heart of every believer. Christ is present in the heart of every believer, but he does not dwell comfortably in the heart that has been given over to sin. He may be present there, but he's not at home there. He does not dwell there. But here's where he does dwell. You could jot this down. Christ dwells in the heart that worships him as Lord. Christ dwells in the heart that worships him as Lord, where he is worshiped as Lord. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. 1 Peter 3.15, In your hearts, Honor Christ the Lord as holy because Christ only dwells comfortably in the heart where he is worshipped as Lord. In the heart that is in awe of him. 
in the heart that is filled with love for him, in the heart that is truly surrendered to him, in the heart where there is a a vacant throne with the name Jesus Christ is waiting for him to take his rightful place. That is the heart in which he dwells. And a heart like that does not come about through our effort. A heart like that, a suitable dwelling place for Christ, only comes about through the awesome power of the Holy Spirit who renovates the heart and makes it a place where Christ is worshipped as Lord. Again, verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that the result, Christ may dwell in your hearts. So here's what Paul is praying for. We can think of our hearts, my heart, your heart, as essentially having three giant rooms. Okay, In your heart, you've got three rooms. I have three rooms in my heart. The room of the mind, the room of the affections, and the room of the will. And so what, what Paul is praying for is this, that the Holy Spirit would flood the hearts of the Ephesians with his immeasurable power so that his power goes throughout the, the heart into every room and, and so that Jesus is now Lord of the mind, that the Holy Spirit has renovated the mind so that Christ is Lord of the mind and that he's Lord of the affections and that he's a Lord of the room of the will. Why? Because that's where Christ dwells. More and more and more and more. And the more comfortably he dwells in us, the sweeter our fellowship with him will be. The more comfortably he dwells in us, the sweeter our fellowship with him will be. Which kind of reminds me of what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea. Remember the lukewarm church, Revelation chapter 3, the church in Laodicea? Here's what he said. He said, Those whom I love... I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And sometimes we hear that verse and we, we think of Jesus kind of like this weak savior who's just kind of going around knocking on doors and, and hoping that someone's going to open the door so he can come in and have a meal. And that couldn't be more wrong. He isn't some visitor. He is the Lord God Almighty who owns the house. He owns the house. He comes to the door as the owner of the house, as the Lord of the house who has come to dwell in that which is rightfully his. We are not the owners of the house. He is. We are stewards of the house. Our hearts are not our own. They belong to him. And when the immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit begins to move in our hearts, our hearts are changed, our minds are changed, our affections are changed, our wills are changed, and that's when we open the door to him and worship him as the Lord of the house. And that's the heart in which he chooses to dwell. So let me ask you, let me ask you, to what degree then, to what degree is Jesus Christ being worshipped as Lord in your heart? To what degree is he being worshipped as Lord in my heart? Let's consider our mind. Are we thinking the thoughts that he wants us to think? Are we filling our mind with what he wants us to fill our mind with? Are we thinking big, awesome, glorious thoughts about 
God? Are we thinking big thoughts about what he has done, big gospel truths? Are we thinking thinking about these awesome, glorious promises that God has made to us? Is he Lord of our mind or consider our affections? Are Are you loving what God wants you to love? Are you loving God? Are you loving people? Are you loving holiness? Is he the Lord of your affections? Or consider, consider your will. Are you, are you doing what God has commanded you to do? Are, are, you, are you seeking to love your neighbor? Are you seeking to uh, make disciples? Are you seeking to live for his glory and his fame? Is he the Lord of your will? Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, at least for me, here's, here's what we see, that Christ is not being worshipped as the Lord of our hearts as he should be. And because of that, he is not dwelling in our hearts as he wants to be. And our fellowship with him, therefore, is not as sweet as it could be. And so what should we do? Should we just try harder to worship him? Is that the answer? Well, praise the Lord, that is not the answer. That is not the answer. We can't somehow will ourselves to worship Jesus in our hearts. There's no power found in just trying harder. Hear that. There's no power found in just trying harder. So where is real power found? Well, let's consider the path we've walked so far. Let's retrace our steps. Here's the path. Power is found through the means of power, which is prayer. Through the source of power, who is the Holy Spirit, so that we experience the result of power, which is heart change, and then Christ dwelling in our hearts. And so the answer for us is not trying hard, it's not our own efforts, the answer is the Holy Spirit bringing about heart change in us through prayer. That's ultimately the answer, which leads us to a very, very, very important question that has not been addressed yet, and here it is. By what channel does the power of the Holy Spirit flow to us? By what channel does the power of the Holy Spirit flow to us? Because if we want to experience the immeasurable power of the Holy Spirit in our lives in 2017 so that Christ dwells more and more in us, then we must recognize the channel of power, which is this, faith. And that's our fourth point. We must recognize the channel of power, which is this, It's faith. It's faith. Have a look one more time at verse 14. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, notice, through faith. Through faith. So here's what Paul is praying for, that through the means of power, which again is prayer, that the Father would give the church power through the source of power, who is the Holy Spirit, so that the church would experience the result of power, which is heart change, so that Christ dwells in the heart. But here's what we need to see, that all of this power flows to us from the Holy Spirit through a channel, and that channel is faith. And so what is faith? 
Well, faith is what Paul prayed for in Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to what he prayed for in verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 1. He prayed this. He said that they would know, that the Ephesians would know the immeasurable greatness of the power, uh, of his power toward those who believe. That, that the Ephesians would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe. That's faith. It's power that comes through believing. Immeasurable greatness of the power of God toward those who believe. So faith is believing God's word. Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is taking God at his word when he tells us who he is. And when he tells us what he has done, and when he tells us what he has promised us, and faith is the channel of power because the power of the Holy Spirit flows to us through faith. We can think of it this way. If you wanted to get engine oil inside the motor of your car, you wouldn't lift the hood and pour the, the oil right on top of the motor, right? At least I hope you wouldn't. That's a recipe for a big cloud of smoke. Don't do that, okay? What you need is a channel in order to get the oil into the engine. So you got to take off the cap. You put the channel there, which is the funnel, and then you pour the oil into the funnel so it gets down into the motor where it needs to be. That's just like faith. Faith is the channel in which the power of the Holy Spirit comes down into our hearts and transforms us, making us a place for Christ to dwell. We can think of it this way. That as we truly believe who God is and we meditate on who God is, we think and we're just saturated with the reality of who God is and, and what God has done and we meditate on these incredible gospel truths and, and we, we hear these promises of God and we think about them and we believe them, this is the channel that the Holy Spirit uses to flood our hearts with his power for heart change so that Christ dwells in our hearts. And this is what Paul is praying for. Paul says, for this reason, so because of all of these glorious gospel truths in, in chapters one and two, for this reason, he says, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you that the power of the Holy Spirit would flood your hearts and transform you, but through the channel of faith, through faith, not just hearing these glorious gospel truths, but by actually believing them and being transformed. That's what Paul's prayer is. So let me ask you, let me ask you, what have you been believing lately about God? What have you been believing lately about the gospel? If an unbeliever came up to you and said, hey, so you're a Christian, right? So um, do you have like some verses or something from your Bible that you could share with me and just kind of tell me who God is and, and what he's done? Would you have some verses that you'd be able to share because those verses have been on your heart and you've been thinking about them and God's been using them to minister to you? If, 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 if someone came up to you today and said, brother or sister, I'm just so discouraged right now and, and, and maybe, do you have a, a promise from God's word that you could, you could share with me to encourage me in my faith? Would you have a promise that you could share with them because, because that promise has been so meaningful and powerful to you as you've been meditating on it yourself? As we consider these questions, could it be, could it be that so often our lack of spiritual power is the result of filling our hearts and our minds with so many other things, even good things, but filling our hearts and minds with so many other things at the expense of filling our hearts and minds with the word of God and believing the reality of who God is and what he has done and what he has promised us. 
Because here's what God wants to do in us. Here's what God wants to do in me, and here's what he wants to do in you. He wants to pour out his power into our lives through the channel of power, which is faith. Here's what he wants to do. Here's what he wants to do. The the Holy Spirit in us, through the channel of faith, wants to pour out his power in such a way that he renovates our hearts so that Christ is Lord of the mind and he's Lord of our affections and he's Lord of our will because that is the heart in which Christ dwells. This is what he wants to do in each and every one of us. And faith is the channel of God's power for heart transformation. Therefore, 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 if we want to be strengthened with power in 2017, we must open the channel of power, which is faith. We must open the channel of power, which is faith. So how important then is it that we make 2017 a year where we open the channel of power by delighting in and meditating upon and thinking about and believing the word of God? Because if there is no word, there's no faith. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. If there's no word, there's no faith. If there's no faith, there's no channel of power. If there's no channel of power, there's no heart change. If there's no heart change, there is no Christ dwelling in our hearts. Therefore, therefore, 2017 must be a year, a year where we open the channel of power by delighting in and meditating upon and thinking about and believing the word of God. But what if we also had this? What if we grabbed hold of just a few verses and we carried them around with us in our hearts all year long? What if we just grabbed a a few verses, maybe a verse about who God is, a verse about what God has done, and a promise, and we we were to carry those around in our hearts all year? What might happen? What if we were to grab a verse about who God is and the Bible is about who God is? And so there's lots of verses to pick from. Here's, here's one. Here's one. Revelation 21, 23. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is Jesus Christ. Its lamp is the Lamb. This is, this is a scene in the heavenly Jerusalem, and, and, and Jesus Christ shining in full strength. Don't need the sun anymore. It's redundant. We have Jesus Christ. This is your inheritance. This is right around the corner for the child of God. What if we were to grab that verse and put it in our heart, memorize it, and spend time that you're just carrying it around and thinking about that? And what is it going to be like when I see him in all his glory? Wow, what is it going to be like? And we open up the channel of power. What would the Spirit of God do? Or what if we grabbed a verse about what God has done and the whole Bible is about what God has done. It's a story of redemption. But what if we were to grab a, a verse, a gospel truth like 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. What would happen if we grabbed hold of that verse and, and put it in our hearts and opened up the channel of power as we meditated on that verse and just thought, Wow. I was dead. I was dead in my sins, unrighteous. And, and, and God came, Jesus Christ, he came and he lived a life I could never live. 
and then, and then, and then he, he allowed himself to be crucified and he took all of my sin upon him and the wrath of God that I deserve fell upon him. And, and so now by faith, I'm united to him and I've been justified, but I haven't just been justified for no reason. I've been justified so that I can be brought to God and live in Revelation 21, 23. Awesome. What would the Spirit of God do as we took a gospel truth and opened up that channel of power? Or what if we had a verse uh, that was a promise and we, we took a promise? And again, the Bible is a book filled with the promises of God. What if we grabbed one and, and brought it into our hearts? How about a verse like Isaiah 41.10? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What would happen if we grabbed hold of a promise like that and put it in our hearts and open up the channel of faith by meditating on it and living it out day after day in our lives, saying, I don't need to be afraid today. Why? Because God is with me. That's why I don't need to be afraid. He is my God. He's going to strengthen me and help me, and he's going to hold me up. What might the Spirit of God do as we open up the channel of power well, here's what the Spirit of God will do. As we, as we open up that channel of power and we, we start to meditate on and believe who God is, the Spirit of God will be working in us, creating awe of God. And as we start to meditate on, on what God has done, we open up that channel of power, the Spirit of God will be working in us, creating in us love for God. And as we, we begin to believe a promise of God and we open up that channel of power, the Spirit of God will begin to work in us peace in God, the God that God's peace would be in us and, and a heart that is filled with awe of God and love for God and the peace of God will be a heart that worships Jesus Christ as Lord, which will be a heart where Christ dwells. And this is what Paul is praying for in Ephesians chapter 3 that through the means of power, which is prayer, the Father would give the church power through the source of power, who is the Holy Spirit, so that the church experiences the result of power, which is heart change, and Christ dwelling in the hearts through the channel of power, which is faith. Oh Lord, let that be what takes place in our hearts this year. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Let's pray. And so, Father, we rejoice right now in the reality that we can call you Father. That though we were dead in our sin and, and rebels, that you, 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 you chose us, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. And you set your perfect love upon us and you saved us in Jesus Christ. Awesome. And God, you, you didn't save us that we would just be saved. You saved us, that we, you, we would be transformed by your Holy Spirit, that you would dwell in us, that we would spend eternity with you. And so, God, we're praying, we're praying now that 2017 would be a year of transformation in our lives, that 2017 would be a year of great faith, a year where we are opening up the word of God and, and, and our, our minds, our hearts would be saturated with these incredible truths that, that we would see clearly, we would see reality, we would see the reality of Jesus Christ and be transformed. God, we are praying now that this would be a year where the power of the Holy Spirit would be working in our lives like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.